When I was younger, there was a strong desire to know my family of origin, where I was from, and because I come from a mixed background where my dad is Southern and my mom is West Indian. She's Caribbean, in other words. And so I always had this strong desire to want to know where I was from. And so I remember when I was younger watching a documentary called Roots, and there was this gentleman in it called Kunta Kinte, and he found out where he was from, and there was a story passed down about who he was and where he was from. And as a result of that, I remained or started on a quest to figure out who I was and where I had come from. During my freshman year in college, I actually went to school with someone who turned out to be my cousin. And when I chatted with him and we found out we were related, it was great because I was able to then find out, oh, this is who cousin so-and-so and so-and-so. And, -so, and he introduced me to a world of family members who really helped me to gain a better understanding of who I am. I felt like restoration had finally come. Today, our families are in need of restoration. There are different things that have entered into our families that have brought about brokenness. Some of our families are wrestling with many issues, whether it's economic or personal issues, some brokenness that has entered into our families. And we are desperately in need of restoration. I understand that you and your pastor has taken you down a road on a true belonging series about home. And home is a place where we come to know who we are and what we're called to do and the place where we belong. And it's a place where we get restored financially and physically and spiritually and emotionally. Home is the place that trust or where trust is built and we're able to grow and expand into who we are and what we're called to do. I want to build upon that trust, and I want to talk a bit about what happens when trust is broken. What happens when we need to be restored, when we need to be brought back to a place where we can be whole and healthy and where we can feel safe. During my teen years, my parents were separated, and ultimately they were divorced. And I felt like my family had been broken because it was. The role of father that I had come to know and to love was removed from our house for various reasons. And my family, what I thought was really great about my family is that we were actively part of a black church. We were actively part of a faith community that when that role of a father was changed, men from our congregation stepped in and they tried to restore that place of a father, an uncle, a big brother in my life. Restoration had finally come. This weekend, as we celebrate the life of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, I want us to look at the restoration of family on two levels. On the micro level, what's going on in our individual homes, but also on the macro level, where we look at the family of God as a whole. And we look at some areas and some things that need to be restored in our families. Webster defines the word restoration as being reinstated in a former position, rank, etc. Also, restitution for a loss, for a damage. It also means a putting or bringing back to a former, normal, 
or unimpaired state of condition. You see, some of our families need to be brought back to a normal or unimpaired state or condition. Some of us, we know families, and some of us, it's our families where trust has been broken or something's happened, something we could control, and sometimes we can't control it. And therefore, we are in need, and we need to be brought back together to a place where health can resume, where, where love can resume, where trust can resume. It's restoration. I believe that restoration can happen in our homes, family by family. And then as a result of what happens in our homes, it can happen also in our communities. Again, family by family. And as we build communities that are restored, communities that feel free, communities where love and peace and trust are restored, then we can raise children who are walking in a place of freedom. The scripture today that I'd like to use comes from the book of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah is one of those prominent voices, one of those prophets who really spoke a lot. That's why the book is so long. He had a lot to say about the trustworthiness of Christ. And he had a lot to say about the sovereign power of God. The chapter I want to focus on is chapter 58. And some of you may know it as the fasting chapter. And that's the space where God outlines this is the kind of fast that I'm looking for versus the type of fast that sometimes man would like to do. And God outlines, and we're going to look at verses 8 through 12, where, and I know it's been read for you already, and we're going to look specifically at verse 12 and some of the promises that come out of the fasting. When we choose to do things God's way, when we choose to either fast or when we choose to obey God in the way he's looking for us to obey him, then there are some promises that he's given to us. He states that if we would walk in a way that is pleasing to him, then we can reap some of those benefits. And we're going to highlight some of those. And one of those is restoration. It reminds me of a song by a group called the Winans. And the song states, restoration has finally come. I've been restored back to my place in God. What would I know about being restored if I never lost my place? What would I know about his mercy if I hadn't gotten out of grace? This particular songwriter understood what it meant to get away from the things of God and get away from a place of normalcy or a place that things were, were, were right and then to get into a place where things were impaired. And he longed and said, God, I want to come back. I want to be restored, brought back together. Isaiah is speaking about a condition that has taken place in the community. He's speaking about a condition that had taken place in different families and in the children of Israel as a whole. And he's speaking about the fact that God is not happy with the injustices. He's not happy about some of the things that have gone on in the community, that have taken place in families. And he's calling back, calling back, saying, come on, come on back. Come on to the place that God has for us. And let's walk and do it in the way God wants us to. And he says, if you do it God's way, then we can have some restoration. If we do it God's way, 
then we can see things coming back to a right place. We can see justice and not just justice for the sake of justice, but justice the way God would have it to be. We can see mercy and we'll see more sharing in the lives of family and in our communities. He reminds us of three things. First, he talks to us about the need for restoration. And I believe that families today on a micro level and on a macro level are in need of restoration. Sometimes when we think about things that are broken and we think about our families, sometimes we'll go right to our own personal family. And I want to invite you to not just stay on the level of your family, but to also look at a broader scope of families. There was an article in Time Magazine and they talked about how families have changed over the years and how we started out with the, the two-parent home and how we've moved into single-parent homes and how we've moved into homes of, that are with all kinds of makeup. That there are people who are in different types of families and going through different types of situations. Some that are, are, are harder than others and other families who really need more support. And in this place of families, Dr. Martin Luther King actually talks in one of his speech called The Other America. He talks about there are two different types of America. That we have one side of America where families are growing up, as it were, with everything perfectly fitting into a box. And then there are other families who are struggling. There are other families. And in his speech, The Other America, he talks about where little children are forced to grow up with clouds of inferiority forming every day in their little mental skies. As we look at this other America, we see it as an arena of blasted hopes and shattered dreams. And he goes on to say that many people of various backgrounds live in this other America. I want you to just pause for a moment and think of the America, if you are from America, the America that you may be blessed to live in today. That you are able to know that you're going to have food and shelter. But there are some in America, there are some that live amongst us, some that come to our congregations every week who are not as fortunate, who do not necessarily know where their food is coming from or don't have a steady shelter. And these are the type of families that we need to embrace to come around and help bring restoration, to help bring them back to a safe place, to bring them to a place where their children can grow up feeling safe and where as a parent they can feel like they're supporting their family in a way that is good for them. I remember after my parents' divorce that it was difficult at times to even relate to the analogies I would hear in church about God being a father. And I would wonder and go, well, okay, my dad's not here. What kind of father are we talking about? And it, my, my brain as my little child mind wondered. And I would look around and I'm like, okay, they have a father. They have a father. What about me? But it, I was grateful that there were other men in the congregation who stepped in and said, I'm going to restore your image of a father and I'm going to be here for you. And then there were others that stepped in and said, I see your need. And I wonder, do we see the needs of people around us that worship with us week after week? Do we see the needs of others around us, either when we're shopping or in our schools or in our communities? And as we see those needs... Do we stop? Do we pray? Do we say, God, 
help restore this family, help restore this need? Do we even see the need for restoration? Isaiah brings it to our attention and says, God sees this injustice. He sees the streets where they are. He sees what's happening. And God is asking us, do we see the need for restoration? The second thing that this scripture reminds us or shows to us that not only is there a need for restoration, there is also a process of restoration. If you're like me, I'm not someone who delights in certain processes. Um, there, as, as a female, there are certain processes for, to look wonderful that I must go through. Some of them include my hair. Some of them include the nails. Some of them include selecting my wardrobe just a certain way so that, that the blessings of the Lord are all in place and where they need to be. And, but that can be sometimes a draining process. That can be a process. Sometimes my husband will say to me, I'm so glad I don't have to go through that process. It can look easy, but sometimes walking through the process can be a difficult one. You see, the process of restoration that Isaiah is outlining for us here includes not just fasting, but it includes us walking in love. It includes us actively seeking justice. Dr. Martin Luther King, in one of his speeches, he said, I say to you today, my friends, though even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. And I had to stop and say, hmm, why did he say, I still have a dream? Because I believe Dr. King, like, just like Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, understood that Restoration doesn't take place overnight. It is a process. It's step one by two and then three and then four. And sometimes you have to go back and repeat two again. Sometimes the process requires you to pause and to sit on step number three for a while. So therefore, when Dr. King then said, how long is this process? The response had to be not long. And the statement afterwards says, for no lie can last forever. You see, Dr. King, as well as Isaiah, understood that part of the reason why restoration takes a process is because we are not just dealing with truths, because restoration means something existed and then it was knocked out of the way or taken out of the way, and now it needs to be restored. So often I like to equate that to there's a truth that God has spoken to us. There's a truth that exists about our families, that we are loved in the places of our homes and in our families. But sometimes a lie comes in. And a lie might be, you're not loved in this family. Your parents don't like you. Or you might not like your kids. And that's not true. We know you love your children. But there are times that sometimes we as a family member can believe a lie instead of believing the truth. 
And it's important for us as the family members who see and recognize that person who may have believed a lie. That lie could be in the form of someone in our family has, has decided to walk in the place of being an alcoholic. Or maybe someone in our family is addicted to something and they have bought a lie instead of walking in the truth that they are free in Christ and can be free indeed. And it's important for us as family members, it's important for us as the family of God, as a broader family of God, to wait and to love them and walk with them until they move from the lie until the truth. And that can be a difficult process. It reminds me of the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 15, where he outlines some people and some things that were lost. He begins with a lost sheep where there was an owner of a lost sheep and he had 99 and he left the 99 to find the one lost sheep. It was so important for him that that sheep be restored to the fold. And then when he found that sheep, he went to his neighbors and his friends and he said, come rejoice with me because what I lost, I now have found. Then he goes on to talk about the parable of the woman with the lost coin who lit a candle, she lit up her house, then she went and swept and looked for this one coin. And when she found it, she too said to her neighbors, rejoice with me, I have found the peace that was lost. And it made me wonder, do we rejoice when we find someone in our families who's lost? When trust has been broken and the trust is restored, do we then rejoice that that trust has been restored and we are now back in a place of restoration? Jesus doesn't just leave us with a sheep and an object of a coin. He then also goes on to talk about a certain man who had two sons. And one son decided, and we know this story is a prodigal son, that this one son decided he was going to take his inheritance and go off and live his life the way he wanted to. Longer story shorter, he makes a decision. He comes to himself, the Bible says, and he decides, I'm going back home. Because I don't belong out here. I desire to be restored. The process of restoration, it demands that we collectively as a community, as a a home, as a family, micro, macro level, that we come together and help clean up our communities. It made me think about the condition of what was going on even back in the day of Isaiah and even in the book of when Nehemiah talks about the walls that were broken down and how the community was so bad. The people collectively got together and said, we will restore it. We're not going to put it in the hands of two or three people. We are not going to allow our brothers and sisters to remain and to be in bondage. We're going to collectively come together and bring about restoration. Jesus reminds us that we are to open our doors and we are to receive our brothers and sisters and be an active part of the restitution of others. You see, in the Old Testament, when someone was in need, they first were required to go to their family. They were not to just check off a box for the government and go to outsiders. There was a requirement that the home, that the kinfolk, that the family of that individual be the first ones to bring about restitution, to be the first ones to bring about restoration. 
In this passage in Isaiah, when Isaiah says, don't hide yourself from your own flesh, he's reminding the children of Israel that some of you have family members that need to be restored. Don't hide from them. Don't turn from them. Don't act like you don't know that they're there. All of us have that family member that we're not sure if we want to claim as ours. We're like, mm, and, and, and they're like, hi, cousin, hi, family. And, and in, in, sometimes in the, in the black tradition, we claim people who are not related to us. So we'll say that's cousin so-and-so, and they have no blood relationship to us at all. And the Bible's reminding us that you can't turn your back and you should not turn your back on someone who is related to you and who needs to be restored. God expected his leaders to be the first examples of this, to be the ones who actually displayed, as the Bible calls it, true worship. Jesus called it true worship, is that we love one another and we walk in love for others. When our actions display the worship, when our actions display that we love our family members and we love those in the community and we're walking in peace and in justice with them, then this shows God, yes, they're doing what I've asked of them to do. Yes, they're walking in a way that is pleasing before me. When we take action to meet the social and economic needs of our communities, we're helping to rebuild, we're helping to restore families and communities that may not have the resources and the access as we do. When I also think of the process of restoration, I think of Peter. I think of Peter when he was by the fire and when Jesus, when he was resurrected, he came and he lit that fire and he had the fish there and Peter who had denied him three times. I can only imagine what Peter was walking through as he walked towards that fire seeing Jesus who he had fallen out of a relationship with. And Jesus who could have said, Peter, I'm not happy with you. I told you what was going to happen. I told you you were going to deny me. He didn't. He said, my brother, sit down and have some fish, have some bread. He restored Peter. The process of restoration. Are we willing to take that step with our family members, with those? Will we rejoice with people as they come back? Will we rejoice with people when they recognize that they're lost? Will, they, will we rejoice with people when they say, you know, I, I, I know I can do better. I want to walk in a way before you. I, I want, can I try this again? Will we rejoice through the process of restoration and allow our brothers and sisters to return and come back in? And thirdly, the product of restoration. When we are restored, when we are brought back to the place, whether it's a spiritual restoration and we're brought back to God or a natural restoration and we're brought back and restored to our families, the product looks like broken walls rebuilt and streets restored. In the King James Version, it says, And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places, and they shall raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. 
I like the King James Version. I grew up on King James. So the language of that just says a lot to me, that there are products of restoration. Once you have identified the need and you go through the process of walking in love and, and, and restoring justice, that now there's a product that there are real tangible things. And the Isaiah, the prophet, talks about streets and walls. Now, I know given the political climate we're in right now, it's a little unnerving to talk about walls. So I'm going to talk about it in a spiritual sense. I'm not asking any of you to build a wall, okay? I just want to talk about it from a spiritual sense, from a sense of families have natural walls, but also spiritual walls. They're called values, they're called, um, they're called structure. So when a family has a structure in place, little things, like when I grew up, we went to bed at 8 o'clock at night. Little things like we ate together as a family. That those values, those things, those spiritual walls brought us up in a way that we knew that if we fell off the bandwagon somewhere, we can get back on and be restored. You see, when walls are broken down, when there's a breach in a wall, there's a gap that's there because something's been battered, something's broken against it, something's fought against it and has brought our families to a place where, and it could be something like injustice, where things are not, the, the balance, the weight is not balanced. Things are not fair for one ethnic group to another ethnic group. And those are some of the things that Dr. Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement and others really fought for those gaps, those breaches that were there, that were uneven, that were broken that tore down families and set up children for an unequitable state. God promises in verse 12 that he says, if we will do justice, if we will love mercy, then he will restore. And he said, he, actually, he's not going to be the one that does the restoring. We as the people of God are going to be the ones. We're going to get a new role and a new title. We are going to be called repairers and restorers repairers and restorers. We get to repair those places. We get to restore the past, the, the access roads. When I think about access as a young person, I had access to certain things that some of my peers, depending on where they lived, did not have access to. And God says that if we would follow after the way that he's calling us to, if we would agree to the way he wants us to do it, and we would become those repairers and we would become those restorers. And then there would be rejoicing in the streets. Then we would learn to live in a way that is pleasing before God. God's people must be involved in the rehabilitation of our communities. Dr. Martin Luther King said to us that we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and that righteousness like a mighty stream. I remember going to visit my dad in the nursing home and this was when uh, former President Barack Obama was up for election. My dad, who lived in the South during some of the times when segregation was at its worst, he was now, he now had the opportunity to vote for the first African-American president of the United States of America. I remember putting the ballot in his hand. The product of being restored meant he could vote for a black president. I watched the emotion on his face as he checked off that ballot. I watched the tear coming down his face. 
That was restoration. It had come for him in his lifetime. When he cast that ballot, he knew he had come and that America had come to a place where we had taken a step towards seeing restoration. Today, I want us to think about a couple of things as we look at and think more about our families and our communities being restored on a macro and micro level. We can restore our families through a couple of things that I want you to think about. First, restoration can come by our immediate families. Who and what around us can we help restore? Are there people who are right in our immediate circle that we can touch, that we know have a need? Are we hiding ourselves from our own flesh in any way? And then secondly, are there families in our communities who need us to restore them, who may need, maybe it was someone you haven't seen in church for a while. Maybe there's someone we haven't invited and we need to invite. Are there other families that we can reach out to and pray and help them to get connected and restored? And then what about our responsibility outside of our communities? Are there people that we need to restore? Are there others that may not look like us, may not talk like us, may not worship like us? Are there others who are looking to us, who we may have the resources, that we may have the way or the, the, the opportunity to provide access for them to be able to connect to resources and to be able to be restored? I believe that as a people of God, it is our responsibility to repair and to restore, to bring families back. Would you be willing to pray with me and see what your role in restoration could look like? Father, we thank you for this day and this time that you've allowed us to just share a few moments about restoration. We thank you that in the book of Isaiah, the prophet just reminds us that there is a way that God would have us to go and that we can have a new role of repairing and restoring others. We pray that we would first begin in the families that we are connected to. If there's a family member we haven't spoken to in a long time, would you grant us the courage to pick up the phone and call them or go see them? Lord, are there families in our communities that we can reach out to? Maybe it might be a little awkward at first, but would, we, would you give us the strength and the courage to reach out to them and do, have some small talk and begin to engage? And Lord, the broader family of God that we can connect with, that we can help restore and repair some broken places, would you give us the courage? Would you give us the wisdom and the strength to bring families together? for your honor and glory. We thank you, we praise you, that restoration has finally come. In Jesus' name, amen.